All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Peterson, and I'd like to thank you all for joining us for SMA.com Academic Alliance speaker session entitled Cyber Risks in Nuclear Escalation Scenarios. I'd also like to thank today's speaker, Dr. Herb Lynn, for taking the time to speak with us today. So before we begin, just a few quick housekeeping items. So we'll be having a Q&A session at the conclusion of today's brief. So during the brief or during the Q&A, please feel free to submit your questions through ZoomGov's chat function. It's a chat icon at the bottom bar of your screen. Also, go ahead and submit all of your questions today to Mariah. Her question should be, or her name should be listed as questions-Mariah Yeager. Questions that aren't submitted to Mariah specifically may not be addressed, so please make sure to send your questions to Mariah. Also note that your name is going to appear in the chat before your question, and it'll be read out loud before we address that question. Go ahead and, um, if you prefer for your name to not be recorded and on the record, rename yourself by going to participants at the bottom bar of your screen, then more next to your name, and finally rename. So now I'm going to introduce today's speaker briefly before I turn the floor over to him. Dr. Herb Lynn is a Senior Research Scholar for Cyber Policy and Security at the Center for International Security and Cooperation, and he's a Hank J. Holland Fellow in Cyber Policy and Security at the Hoover Institution, both at Stanford. His research interests relate to policy-related dimensions of cybersecurity and cyberspace, and in 2016, he served on President Obama's Commission on Enhancing National Cybersecurity. So Dr. Lynn, I'll turn the floor over to you now, and I will stop sharing my screen. Great. So uh, sound, um, just to make sure uh, people are hearing me. Nicole? Yes, confirmed. Okay, okay great. Um, there we go. And there. Okay, so is this working here? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, I, I, I've given many of these Zoom uh, sessions. Uh, I, I, I note that there's almost always a, uh, a tech check uh, beforehand. Um, you know, the, I, I was asked to, to join this call 15 minutes earlier uh, to make sure that the technology worked and so on. If we could just fix that problem so that you didn't need tech checks and, 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 and so on uh, to get all this silly technology to work would be all a whole lot better off. Um, and, and for those of you from DOD uh, and, and, and so on, take that as you know, take, take that to heart. I'm sure you do. Um, the, the technology is way too clunky and, and, and so on. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's talk. Um, I'm here to talk about cyber risks uh, that are that, that that could be associated in, uh, that could arise in various nuclear escalation uh, scenarios. Um, I have five scenarios uh, to, to present, um, but first I, I, I want to um, look at, uh, to, to give a, a brief review of uh, cyber operations and, and, and uh, you know, thing, thing, things that you should keep in mind here. This is, for, for many of you, this will be uh, old hat, so you can go get a cup of coffee while I'm, I'm talking about this, but for those of you who, who, who would benefit from a, a brief reminder, let me, uh, let me go through this. Because cyber is, is, is different than uh, a lot of stuff in the kinetic world. Okay, so uh, cyber uh, weapons, uh, cyber offensive cyber capabilities can compromise uh, confidentiality, integrity, and availability of, of uh, data uh, and of computer operations. Um, and and uh, if you look in the public uh, discussions and so on, mostly we worry about um, confident threats to confidentiality, that is data leaks and so on, uh, but the threats to integrity and availability are, are uh, just as important. And I would argue in, in, in this context, uh, uh, 
perhaps uh, more important. Um, a threat to integrity is when the data uh, that you're relying on in the program that you're working uh, that you're relying on, on using uh, is somehow changed or altered in a way that you didn't intend and you didn't mean it to. So this is when somebody uh, erases data. That's sort of the ultimate in, in, in this. Um, uh, but it, it could also be somebody corrupts a database or, or surreptitiously alters some data files and so on, and you don't know it. So you're working with bad data, and you didn't and, and you didn't realize that. Um, threat to availability is when a, uh, a computer system goes down uh, and, and you can't get at your system. Uh, you can't use your system when you you want it to. You can't get the data out of it when you need it. Um, there are two aspects of, of uh, offensive capabilities here. There's the penetration to the system of, in, uh, of interest and then what you do once you get there. Um, penetration uh, is, is about how do you get into the system? How, how do you get in, inside it so that you can the, the, the adversary system so that you can manipulate it? Uh, well, there, there are two things to, to, to that. You need, you need a path to get there, and then you need a, uh, an, an access to it, and then you need a vulnerability to take advantage of to, 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 to get inside it. Um, access uh, is impossible to limit to just to, good, just to the good guys. So the, if you think about cybersecurity, the security, maintaining the security of a computer network or of, of, of a computer, uh, the idea is to provide access, you like ideally to provide access only to good guys and never to bad guys. Um, and, and this is a, uh, a big deal, um, but you can't do it, right? You can't, you can't do it perfectly because you know, the, the difference between a good guy and a bad guy is sometimes ambiguous, uh, is unclear, and, and you may uh, let in a good guy, sorry, let in a bad guy by mistake. Uh, so that that it's really impossible to limit. You do your best, you do the best you can, but it's impossible to to, to limit in in all cases. Um, and in terms of vulnerabilities, these are the the things that you can take advantage of uh, once you're inside a system uh, to make it do something that it shouldn't be doing. Uh, so, for example, uh, a, a, if for example uh, an adversary has compromised the system, you may be able to you know, enter a password uh, that uh, the you know that, that gives you magical access to the uh, to, to the system in ways that you, you don't that you shouldn't have. Um, you know, you put in you know adversary uh, is king or something like that, uh, and, and and then you get you you magically get into this in, into the system. Um, and you shouldn't be able to do that, but you know this is a, an example of a vulnerability that's been pre-implanted in, in, in into the system. And you can get in, there are many other techniques for for doing that. Um, that's a whole field of specialization in itself. Okay, once you get inside the machine, once you get inside the adversary's uh, system, um, uh, you have to do something. And what is it that you want to do? Well, that there there's a whole range. Of, uh, of things that you can do. You can steal data, for example. You can get data out of it. Uh, this is what we talked about in, in, in terms of threats to confidentiality of data. You can get the you can get data out of it uh, and you know send it back home. Okay, and, and if you do it right, the other guy never knows that you've done that. Um, you could program. You you could uh, once you're inside the system, you could damage all the files, you could delete information, you could alt surreptitiously alter it, and, 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 and so on. Um, there is a, there's a, 
greater significance, arguably, in some cases, certainly in some cases, uh, to altering data than improperly, than to viewing it improperly. Uh, that's not always true, but it is often true. And, and so the, it, it, it just the example that I use uh, to, to drive this home with, with many people is that if somebody's looking, if somebody has access to my medical records, I'd much rather be, I'm much more concerned, uh, I'm less concerned about them looking at my, viewing my blood type than I am about changing my blood type and my electronic medical records. Uh, and you can certainly imagine things in that context in, in, in more sensitive uh, military situations. Um, so it means that given the fact, given that you can do anything once you're inside, you can do any of these things once you're inside the system, it means that once the, even if you notice, once you notice that somebody has penetrated your system, you don't know why they're there. Okay? It could be because they're just looking around and they're not going to damage anything. Or it could be because they're they're there and they want to damage something now, or you could be there because they're laying the groundwork to be able to damage it in the future. Uh, and there is it's impossible to know until you actually see what happens. Okay. And this kind of ambiguity uh, is very important because what you're saying is that you can't from the mere fact of an intrusion you can't determine its intent. And intent is, of course, very important in, in, in understanding escalation in understanding escalation concerns. The second point is, is, is that once you've gotten in, you can, uh, you can calibrate what you do in very, very fine ways. Okay, by, by fine, I mean very, very granular ways. For example, uh, you can adjust it, you can adjust your, your, the, your operation so that it takes effect, it, it, it goes into effect immediately or in a week, or in three weeks, or in a month, or and so on. Um, it doesn't have to happen right now. Uh, it can be very targeted in scope. It can be limited to acting on one particular machine that you've identified, um, or it can be unselective and, and attack many systems, and so on. A lot of things can a lot of things can happen, uh, and uh, you don't know this as as the uh, as the defender who's been compromised, you don't know uh, what has uh, what the uh, what the range of what the particular effect is that the uh, intruder is, uh, is is planning. So, the, and the, the the next point is is that intelligence support for cyber operations is really really critical, uh, and, and I would argue here it's much more critical than in uh, traditional kinetic operations. Why is this true? In a kinetic operation where, for example, the idea, is the, the intent of it is to uh, destroy a particular target, there's just a few basic, a few parameters that you need to know. Uh, you need to know the yield of the weapon uh, that you're using on it. Uh, you need to know uh, the hardness of the target. Uh, those two things uh, allow you to calculate the lethal radius of a, uh, of, of a weapon. Uh, and then you have to know where the target is going to, uh, where the weapon is going to land, it's going to impact. Uh, and and uh, with those parameters, you can more or less calculate, you have some idea of what the effects are. Okay? And it, it's also true that if you're off by a little bit, your results, your calculated results will be off by a little bit. Uh, and, and, and you know this is the the fact that we're operating in a in a physics dominated world, 
uh, where continuous variables are, uh, are, are, are at work. Um, a similar situation is not uh, is, is, is not obtained in the situation where you're using a cyber weapon uh, against a, uh, a target. Um, as you probably know, um, computer programs are, are built out of ones and zeros. Okay, and change the smallest possible change in a um, uh, in a digital object is one bit. And of course, it, it is true that a computer program that is one bit different from the one before, that you take a computer program, you change it by one bit, you get the program afterwards, the functionality of the second program can be completely different than the functionality of the first. So for example, you might consider the, the fact that um, an attack that I've designed very carefully against your computer uh, may work today, before you've installed the latest patch and may not work tomorrow after you've installed the patch. Okay. So part of what I need to know as an attacker is, have you installed the patch? And if I don't know that, then my the outcome of my attack is uncertain because it might work if it were launched today and it might not work if it were launched tomorrow. Uh, there are a uh, few things uh, in the kinetic world uh, that are like that. Um, you could argue that, well, you know, today you have to attack it today because uh, you know where it is and you might it might be gone tomorrow. And that that could be that that, that could be in that an, an analogy. But I'm assuming that you can you, you can actually do the do, do the targeting uh, on attribution of offensive operations. Uh, we know that uh, offensive operations can be conducted with pl some plausible deniability in the short term. Uh, on the other hand, some attribution may be possible in the long term if you're willing to draw on all sources of intelligence. Usually no smoking guns on it, so it's a process of inference uh, and, and it's probabilistic uh, and, and, and it, uh, you know, it, it depends a lot on, on, on judgment. But over time, you can become reasonably certain. Uh, on strategy, I think that we, we found uh, that uh, deterrence of cyber attack uh, varies depending on, on how significant it is. It may be possible to, to deter cyber attacks at a very high level, for example, taking down the electric grid over large periods of time over large geographic areas and so on. Maybe it, that hasn't happened yet, so maybe that's possible. On the other hand, we also know that deterrence of cyber attack at, at a low level is essentially impossible. Um, all of you who are operating computers right now uh, to view this presentation, you are, there is a sense in which you're under cyber attack right now, uh, already, uh, and, and uh, you're, you're not getting, uh, people are not, uh, you're not noticing it uh, because your defenses are, are sufficiently robust to repel it, mostly. Okay. Uh, the, 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 and the, the last point I want to make about strategy is that the logic of cyber attack and the fact that, that uh, uh, the offense is usually dominant uh, before conflict starts, uh, by that I mean that the attacker will get in. Uh, you can't, it, it's almost guaranteed that the attacker will get in because if he doesn't get in, you wait. Um, you wait until, you wait until, you have to, uh, until he can get in. Um, uh, offense is dominant. Uh, will eventually the offense will eventually get in, uh, and the logic of it all suggests that you, um, that there is early use. Early, early use of cyber is, is uh, 
see this to, to be in, in, in the cards. Um, and that can lead to some significant escalation uh, potential. Um, the, the next point uh, on, on cyber uh, here is, is that uh, cybersecurity is sort of the poor stepchild of information technology and implementation. Uh, I mean, after all, security does not add to the functionality of the system. You don't get, um, uh, you don't, the, the system isn't more powerful to use if it's more secure. It, is, it keeps, it gives you access when you're under attack, but you expect to be getting that access anyway. So it doesn't add to your functionality. Um, and so in practice, there are a lot of incentives to neglect cybersecurity uh, when you're designing an independent system. And the last point that I want to make here is that cybersecurity is not just a technical problem. The, 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 it's not just a question of putting in the right functionality. For example, if it's not usable, people will tend to, not very convenient to use, people will tend to bypass it uh, and ignore it. Um, and, uh, obviously, features that are unused um, are, uh, security features that are unused are not, uh, are not popular. Sorry, yes, they're not popular, not popular because they're they are um, inconvenient, um, and therefore they don't do any. Uh, when you bypass them, they don't do any. They don't serve any effective function. Um, cybersecurity. Last point is cybersecurity is not just technical. Okay, there's organization, there's uh, psychology, there's uh, individual. There's the incentives that the culture uh, provides for you to provide uh, security and, and and so on. Okay, with that, with that quick review, I want to go through uh, some uh, several cyber uh, related, several nuclear, possible nuclear scenarios, uh, which involve uh, cyber in, in, in some way, and, and, and here they are. And so um, let me let me go, go, go into that. Covering all of them uh, is, is sort of that there, there are, you know, here's a sampling of, of what I'm going to call irreducible uncertainties and ambiguities in the uh, that are associated with, with, with cyberspace. Okay. So, uh, some of them are not unique to cyberspace, but they, you, you certainly have to worry about. Uh, there's an uncertainty in interpreting any signaling message, right? You may intend a restraint, uh, but the other guy sees provocation. Um, uh, and and the, the, this, is a, this is a problem. I mean, you're, you're, you're taking action, you're hoping the other guy will understand what you mean, and does he understand it? That's a, that's a real question. Uh, and, and you just don't know because he often has a very different framing of the problem than you do. Um, so uh, we talked about the ambiguity in the intent of a cyber operation. Uh, there are two ambiguities that I want to, well, there's a couple of ambiguities that I want to address here. Um, there's the difference between are you there to gather intelligence? Are you there to, uh, to attack? Are you there to prepare for a future attack? Or future intelligence gathering. Um, the penetration part, that is the access to the whole thing, is the same. The payload characteristics is only determined upon execution. We touched on that earlier. And then there's uncertainty about the nature of the targets. Okay, you, as as you penetrate, you may not know what you're at, what you're actually penetrating to. You may not know, uh, and, and it may be impossible to know that 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 is that there may be no technical difference uh, between them. Uh, you may be attacking a a, a target that is um, uh, associated with nuclear functionality or one that's associated with non-nuclear functionality, and or both, right? There are dual-capable dual systems. 
Um, is it a military target? Is it a non-military target? Um, that's an interesting question too. You may not know the answer to, to, to that. And then there's the other question of, are you going after the computer system or are you going after something that it's connected to? Um, so the direct and indirect um, uh, question. Uh, and then we talked about a little bit, I mentioned the, the uh, difficulty of prompt attribution. Uh, that's, that's really hard and, and you, may be, you, you may be confusing one actor with another actor. It sort of looks like uh, it's nation X, but it's really nation Y and, and, and so on. And if you try to jump to conclusions too quickly, uh, you may not be able to uh, resolve that ambiguity. And with that, here are some of the scenarios. Let's imagine this is a scenario. This is a scenario based on, on scenario one is the cyber attack versus the intelligence gathering. Okay? So let's imagine that China announces, lets us know that they're going to conduct a nuclear exercise that simulates you know, a nuclear exercise, right? Um, and the exercise involves flushing Chinese mobile missiles from garrison. Okay? And they increase their cyber scans of, of, of their of, of their nuclear command and control to improve their security. Both of those are reasonable things to do in, a, um, uh, in an exercise. On the other hand, they may not be, uh, you know, the, you, they would also be things that you would do if you were, you know, if, if they were about to launch an attack. The US needs to know what China is doing, uh, intending to do, given the dispersal of missiles. I mean, you know, we don't want to overreact, okay? So is this just an exercise or a cover for launching an attack? So we need real information here. So we now activate things that we planted in China's nuclear command control system. These are long dormant. Now, because of its own intensified defensive efforts, China detects them, detects their operation. So what happens here? Outcome number one, the U.S. doesn't want to tr doesn't trust China's statements that these attempts are that these activities are only an exercise, and wants to collect its own intelligence. That is, it has to collect its own surreptitiously without China's knowledge, so that they know what China is really up to. So it believes that its cyber activities are benign. They're trying to prevent a U.S. overreaction. Outcome number two: China has to consider the possibility that U.S. cyber activities could be part or prelude of an attack against China's nuclear command and control system. And this recent discovery, by definition, because they're intensified scans um, uh, of U.S. implants, uh, may correspond to a recent emergence of, of hostile intentions from the U.S. And that may force China to shift, force China to shift into war, into a war, more war footing. Chinese can't assume that the U.S. cyber activities are benign. And so in this, this is a very dangerous situation, right? Because both the U.S. and, the Ch and China now have incentives to take more aggressive action. Um, different kinds of uh, you know, more aggressive action. The U.S., uh, you know, the, the more this goes on, the more U.S. wants to know what is really going on in China. Intensified intelligence. Um, and the, the Chinese see intensified cyber activity in a non-benign way. And the more cyber activity it sees, the, the more concerned it gets. So this side, I, I suggest, is a, you know, poses a certain, you know, a certain kind of escalation. Scenario two. Okay. Cyber attacks on ambiguous targets. 
So some targetable systems are, you know, serve both conventional and nuclear missions. So for example, imagine a situation in the, in the early stages of a conflict in which Chinese tactical ballistic missiles are being shot down by tactical ballistic missile defenses. Okay. Now, these systems accept the US missile defense systems accept queuing data from US early warning satellites. Okay. So the Chinese, under those circumstances, attack, launch a Chinese launch a cyber attack against the US early warning satellites. But these satellites also provide strategic warning uh, of attack on the US homeland. So the U.S. worries that the loss of potentially the loss of strategic warning capabilities, you know, may threaten its nuclear force, and now it raises nuclear alert levels even further. So this is this is again a very dangerous situation. Okay. Now, in there's no sign when you penetrate. Uh, a system that this is for you know this this is system is nuclear this system is conventional this system is dual use okay? you have to the attacker has to make inferences from data obtained in prior intelligence gathering okay? so this is a, a second scenario imagine that in the early phases of a conflict u.s attacks directed against chinese conventional uh uh command and control accidentally disabled chinese nuclear command okay? now China fears that this loss uh, of uh, nuclear command and control could be part of a U.S. attempt to sever nuclear forces uh, from central authority and now implement standing orders to delegate large authority to field commanders um, to forestall the, the, the bad consequences of such a severance. And this is not a good idea because now, now you've raised the risk of, of nuclear escalation because you've dispersed authority. So this fact you, you just don't know. You, there, there's a lot of uncertainty about what you've attacked and what your your attack may have some consequences that you didn't realize. So this is counted as a sort of potential for inadvertent escalation. So I'd say in both of these scenarios, uh, you know, sub-scenarios, um, you're you're uh, targeting things that are you know that they're that are ambiguous, that you don't know quite what their purpose is, uh, and maybe it's inherently unknown because they're used for dual purposes. Uh, scenario three. Uh, this scenario is uh, one uh, in, in, in which uh, you want to, um, uh, you, you can consider the idea of, of damaging confidence in nuclear force. So, for example, the scenario that I have in mind here is that, that, that um, uh, Chinese have conducted a, a, a supply chain attack on U.S. military forces on, on the acquisition system. Uh, and and uh, there are unknown to us uh, a variety of vulnerabilities that have been implanted uh, in our uh, in in all of our forces, okay, in in, in all of our plat weapons platforms and, and and missiles and munitions and the like because of this. So during some crisis, the the Chinese communicates to the U.S. that it has done exactly this, okay. and provides clues that enable the US to discover some of those vulnerabilities, not all of them, but some of them. And then it just tells the US that, you know, we've done this on a lot more platforms, on many more platforms, okay? This is, you know, now, now if you're in the position of the, the, the United States, you have to think about what, 
have, have the Chinese actually done this? Is this plausible? How widespread is the problem? Um, does the Chinese, do the Chinese really have vulnerabilities that they can take advantage of? And if, you know, and, and how should we react? This at the very least creates a high degree of uncertainty uh, on our part and in, in our confidence about uh, uh, the, the usability um, uh, of, our, uh, of, of, of our systems. Scenario four, imagine cyber attack uh, as, a, as, as a kind of a, uh, a, a kind of a, a counterforce um, uh, instrument. So we know that you know we 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 more or less advertise our nuclear weapons capabilities. We conduct drills. We 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 publish a lot of information about our, our nuclear weapons and so on. We we do not do the same uh, with uh, cyber weapons. Okay, they're they're based on, on their their individual weapons are based on, on deception. Uh, if deception is revealed, then then the weapon may not be usable in. in the future, uh, and so you. Some many people consider cyber weapons uh, one-time use. That may not be exactly true, but the people often assume that once you use a cyber weapon, it, it is unusable in, in the future, or it may be unusable in the future. You don't know that. So consider a scenario in which two nations have equal nuclear capabilities. Okay, and in this scenario, A penetrates B's nuclear command and control system, and B doesn't know it. So now B is at a disadvantage, but doesn't realize it. And so now imagine a crisis between A and B. Because of his penetration, A knows that it's stronger than B and doesn't feel the need to retreat. Doesn't need, feels justified and capable of, of, of playing its stronger hand uh, against B. On the other hand, B believes that it is equal to A in capability by definition. Um, uh, because it is, um, uh, because, because it doesn't know that it's been penetrated. And so it feels confident, there's a typo in there, I apologize, feels confident that it can stand fast, B can stand fast, uh, and can raise the stakes beyond what it would be willing to do if it understood its disadvantage. So that's a, that, that's not a good situation. Um, so each side uh, believes that uh, it's in th that it's in a reasonably good position, uh, and, and the, the the probability increases uh, that uh, that that A or B will conclude uh, that deterrence has failed because each side ha ha has gone into the is going into the situation uh, with a you know, B is going into this with unjustified confidence, A is going into it with with with, uh, with justified confidence but B doesn't know about A and A doesn't know about B's uh, views on it. And uh, the last one that I want, the last scenario that I want to discuss is, is uh, the introduction of, of, of risk into the decision-making process. That is social media, in particular thinking about the impact of social media. Okay. Um, social media, as we know, adds to the information environment of nuclear decision makers by adding unanalyzed and unvetted feeds. We have world leaders engaging directly on social media. We know this. Okay? And if you go to the Global Operations uh, Center at Stratcom, you'll see a Twitter uh, feed on the bottom of the big board, uh, which is interesting. Um, 
And if you think about how so, what the kinds of messaging that social media is designed to, to transmit, it's designed to transmit short and simple messages that target human cognitive vulnerabilities. So you get uh, it's simple messaging, lacks context and so on. It emphasizes audio visual inputs that are emotionally evocative. Uh, trending information gives the illusion of, uh, of consensus. And it's all unvetted information. You just don't know whether it's true or not. Um, classical theories of nuclear deterrence are based on economic rationality. People are rational, rational decision-making, rational unitary decision-making. But the psychological evidence today and three Nobel Prizes suggest that people are not rational human beings. They do not make rational economic rational decisions in the, in the economic sense. And instead they are they react um, quickly, um, intuitively, uh, rather than analytically and deliberate. Uh, and, and impulsive decision makers here in this context are the, are, are, are the, the, the most vulnerable. And so you can easily imagine adversaries using social media to confuse or complicate decision-making. And if you think about this, you, you, could, say, you could make the argument that um, uh, leaders are, um, you could just cut leaders off of their social media feeds. Well, nobody could cut them, so that, that is simply not possible, right? You're, the, the leader wants to have access to a social media feed, sort of just like your kids want their access to their, social media feeds um, and, and uh, unlike your kids they're in a position you know leaders are in a position to enforce those wishes so being able to to cut them off from them is is, is impossible and that just means that you you have that that the people who are trying to manage the crisis um, are going to have to deal with a, a much more chaotic information environment and that what I would argue increases uh, social media uh, increases nuclear decision making risk so with that uh, I've talked for about 40 minutes or so and, and um, uh, more information is my contact information uh, and uh, this the, these scenarios were taken out of a book that was released uh, last week or this week. Yeah, last week uh, from Stanford University Press. Uh, and if you track down the, the, the book, uh, there's a discount code that you can use uh, for it. It'll cost you a grand total of 20 bucks. Um, and, and so uh, that book um, covers the impact of cyber threats uh, to the US nuclear enterprise across, you know, from, from, from uh, fabrication of the weapons to, uh, um, uh, to to operational use scenarios. So um, anyway, so with that, let me uh, surrender the uh, the screen uh, and the mic back to our moderator. Thank you. All right, thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, all right, so very quickly, and because I know that people will ask, um, and we have a lot of people on the line, um, what was the name of your book that uh, you'd like to, to direct it's our audience to? It's called Cyber Threats and Nuclear Weapons. Okay, perfect. All right. Um, well, with that, we're going to go ahead and start the Q&A portion of today's discussion. Um, so please make sure to submit your questions through the chat through um, to questions-Mariah Yeager. Also, I have notified everyone in the chat, um, if you're going to reference a scenario in your question, please make sure to state that scenario um, within your question so that uh, we can group the questions, ideally, by those scenarios. Um, and I see that people have done that so far, so thank you so much. 
All right, so starting with scenario one, we have a question from George Vogan. Uh, and this question is, would you expect China to have some explicit statements regarding their nuclear command, control, and communications, or NC3 capability, and perceived aggression towards it? Do they prefer ambigu ambiguity in this regard? They tend to view cyber somewhat differently than in the US. Um, certainly, the, they, they view cyber differently um, than, than the US. But I haven't heard any statements uh, from them about uh, how they regard their um, uh, nuclear command and control capability. Uh, and and I, I think that they have not, I think, so the answer is no. I, I, I haven't, I, I don't expect them to say much about it. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's probably a bad thing. On the other hand, I don't think that we would uh, believe them necessarily if they, if they did. Uh, I'm trying to understand what another player means when they make a statement, a public statement about something like their nuclear command and control and, and, and so on. It's, it's hard, it, it, it's hard to know. Um, what, what they're really serious about versus what they're, you know, sort of talking about it, just talking about it uh, for, for show or posture. I think it's really hard to know how seriously to, to, to say that. But I think the answer is no. I don't, I don't think we would, I would expect them to, to, to make uh, explicit statements. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, so our next scenario question is on scenario three, and that comes from Douglas Gormley from SNL. Uh, the question is, the root of this scenario, scenario three, is that the U.S. government is using software and hardware whose behavior we fully do not understand. These, these are no good, or there are no good tools to analyze software and hardware to understand its behavior today, but such tools are possible, though they are costly. Can the U.S. government get to the point where we have technical capabilities necessary to analyze software and hardware as delivered so that we can have confidence in what software or hardware will and won't work? Um, so that right. So the question is, will we ever be able to understand the the software and hardware uh, that 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 we're using, um, and, and even with automated tools? And, and I am I am personally skeptical about that um, because let's let's imagine that we had those tools available uh, so that we could understand it uh, better. Um, then people would say would would try to. to insert even more functionality into their systems uh, to get them to do more things um, and would drive the level of complexity uh, up even further. And so I really worry about that, that, that if for all practical purposes we have shown that our demand for uh, functionality is unlimited. Uh, and and uh, the more functionality you, you impose, you, you require of a system, the more complex the system to deliver that functionality becomes. Uh, and pretty soon you will uh, run up against the limits of, 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 of those tools. Um, so I, I personally despair of that. You may be able to solve, make the problem better in the short term, uh, but in the long term, until you can get a, a handle on how much functionality you want to uh, uh, want to ask for, that is, it can't be unlimited, then you're going to be, you're, you're always going to be chasing this, uh, this problem. I hope that answers the question. All right, thank you. Um, the next scenario is um, that we have a question for is scenario four, and this comes from JD Work. Uh, so this question is, this seems to describe a cyber variant of the 
practical effects that the Soviets believed that they achieved via the Walker espionage penetrations in terms of risk to the SSBN fleet and fine fix engage for counterforce. Do we think that this gives insights about how an adversary may think about this kind of capability in terms of confidence? I'm, I'm not sure uh, I, I, I understand that, that, that the, so Jay, if you could, if you could, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure I understand the, the, the question. Hi, JD, um, as always you're provocative. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how to answer the question. So if you, if you could rephrase it or, 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 or something, I, I, I can't understand the question as, as, uh, as, as posed. Maybe this is an offline conversation, but I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I, don't, I don't understand the question. Yeah, the conversation can be taken offline or if um, JD sends Mariah a, um, a follow on, I can bring that up uh, once we receive one. But until then, uh, we'll keep going with the scenarios. We do have some questions that are um, posed for all the scenarios, um, but we do have some for, for scenario five that I'll bring up first. Um, so for scenario five, we have a question from Gerald Epstein. And this question is, could there be a role for legitimate social media companies in mitigating the risk of impulsive social media use by world leaders, either by taking down world leaders, uh, world leader feeds in times of a crisis or providing a delay and potential for retraction for postings by leaders, maybe not even in a time of crisis, but maybe an hour delay is a good idea. Any comments on that? Well, so you're, if this is the Jerry Epstein, oh, hi, Jerry. Um, I, I would think that there is a role for that. Uh, I would love to, to see that, but I despair of getting any, um, uh, of getting the social media companies to, uh, to actually play all of it. In fact, you could imagine that they have very strong incentives to go exactly the other way, right? They, 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 they would say that this is exactly the time that you want leaders communicating with their publics and understanding what public opinion is and, 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 and so on. Uh, and of course, they would be saying that from, for, for very cynical uh, purposes, it would drive up engagement and, and, and drive ad revenue through the roof. Um, so uh, is there a role for that? Sure, I'd love to see that. Uh, I, I, I think in, imposing that kind of regulation on them would be very, very difficult to, to do. And I think all of their incentives point in the other direction. So. All right, thank you. Okay. Um, the next question com comes from Bob Klein, also on scenario five. Um, and he states that you spoke of the role of impulsive leadership and their interaction with social media in a nuclear scenario. Um, but could you speak a little bit more directly to the role of cyber and social media in this scenario? Well, I think I, I, I think I did. I would say that this is a I, I would say that the availability that social media creates the, the, the availability creates um, the availability of a cyber enabled channel for directly hacking human you know political leaders' minds. Uh, and, and that's dangerous. That, that the whole, the, the, that the, you know, what, what we regard as chaos in the information and, and environment is largely attack on, on people's cognitive functions. Uh, it, it, it's a cognitive vulnerability and there's no patch for that. Uh, and, and so I think that it, it, the, it is, it's not cyber in the sense of, you know, attacking a, a computer vulnerability, uh, but it is a, it, it's a you know what what the Russians did in the in various elections and, and, and so on 
was not to hack Facebook, you know, to make something Facebook do something it wasn't intended to do. They use Facebook exactly as it was intended to be used. Um, but it, so it's it's cyber enabled, and I I I I put that under the the, the rubric of of, of, of cyber. Uh, here, so I, I think I have addressed that um, uh, directly, but it's not a, it's not a hacking issue in, in the sense of, of, of computer hacking. It's in the sense of, of human hacking. All right, thank you. Uh, Major Jamie Davis asked a question, um, and this question is: During the scenarios where conflict has started, what will internet connectivity look like? If connectivity in times of conflict is limited, how will this impact cyber actions and what might we expect in terms of adversarial mitigation steps? I think that that's a big, that's a big unknown. I think nobody, no, nobody knows how much the internet is going to, to be, uh, is going to continue to be up. Uh, I think, and I, I, I think that is a, uh, th that is a, a, a real question. Um, you can imagine, uh, standalone, um, what I mean by standalone is, 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 is uh, implants that get sprung into operation, uh, sort of on a dead man switch, uh, that, you know, if they don't hear from home base after a certain period of time, they start doing things. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, and I can imagine, and I, I would not recommend that as a, uh, as, as a thing for, uh, for any country to, to, to do. Um, but it's it, it, you, it's technically possible, um, and, and you could imagine people uh, uh, doing it. There's another situation which I, I didn't describe in here, which I do which I do worry about, uh, which is, is um, in the middle of a crisis. One of the things you want to be able to, especially after wars broken out, especially especially after nuclear wars broken out, is that you want to be able to maintain connectivity to the other side's leadership. Right, because how else are you going to negotiate a peace? How else are you going to negotiate a ceasefire if you can't talk to the other guy? And yet, talking to the other guy in in in, in the time in a time of crisis, uh, in a time of in, in a nuclear environment is very 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 uncertain, right? Because if the other guy is if the if let, let let's say the you know the Russian president is on the move, okay, you don't want him to be at a specific location uh, because you could target him there, okay. He's on the move. He has to emit. And how do you prevent those emissions from telling the, you know, the United States where to launch a missile? You know, and so on. I mean, you, you, and similarly, you know, the reciprocal concerns. So how you deal with this problem uh, is very, very hard. And I think nobody has actually um, confronted the fully all of the implications of that. Um, and so I, th that to me is at least as much of a, 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 of a problem. Next. All right. Um, our next questions, um, if I'm interpreting both of these questions correctly, I think that we have two questions asking about this. Um, so this is from Wade Huntley and Susanna Gordon. And they're essentially asking if you can imagine a scenario um, where cyber would play a role in nuclear de-escalation. Um, so, or a scenario in which cyber vulnerabilities may be stabilizing. Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? Well, I, it's, I, I can imagine that it's possible uh, that uh, people would become more risk uh, averse uh, if, they have, if they're more uncertain about their, uh, about their systems. I mean, you, you, one could imagine that. 
Um, on, on the other hand, uh, there's no guarantee. Uh, and and the, the distinguishing which one of, I mean, my sort of, I think that from my standpoint, I have to worry more about the situations in which uh, the bad things might happen than, than the good things might happen. I don't see any, re and I don't see any a priori reason to favor uh, the stabilizing uh, dimension of that rather than the destabilizing dimension of that. It could be, it could be the case from what you described. I don't, there's no law of physics that, that prevents that from being true. Uh, but I, I don't see, uh, I actually, you know, my intuition says, that it is uh, that the destabilizing effects are, are likely to be uh, more are, are more probable, um, but I don't, you know, I, I confess that that is just an in, that's an intuition that's an intuition statement. I I can't back that up analytically. All right, no worries. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Robert Nelson has asked: Cyber threats are most often discussed in terms of vulnerabilities. Can we describe or model our adversaries in terms of their cyber order of battle using intel on the capabilities of their military slash civilian sponsored groups? Can we get information on their order on the cyber order of battle? Well, I think that the one of the most interesting things about cyber is that their order of battle is not at all well defined. It may be more well defined in the United States, but not. Uh, I don't think it is uh, on the uh, necessarily on certainly not on the on, on the Russian side. Um, it's very problematic uh, because I mean we know that there are various actors, cyber actors in, in Russia that are not quote official government and so on that that actually play in the uh, cyber. Uh, in the cyber activities of uh, that, that come out of uh, Russia, uh, of the adversarial cyber activity. So I think that it's a problem um, to, to understand, to actually understand the, 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 the order of battle. It's one of those places where I think that the analogies to the kinetic world, I, I, I think, uh, are not quite adequate. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, so we have three questions in eight minutes, and I think we can get through all of them. Okay. Um, so from Daniel Post, this question is, these are all plausible scenarios, one through five. How much risk do you think is, pre is present in terms of spoofing or tricking systems or their operators into thinking that an attack is happening wh when it's not or vice versa? Uh, could possibly, um, this could possibly be used to make one side go first or preempt or to delay a response. Um, so the question in all, uh, sorry, I was tripping over my words a bit as I was reading it, is um, how much risk do you think is present in terms of spoofing or tricking systems into thinking an attack is happening or when it's not? I, well, we, we've, we have certainly seen uh, cyber events that have raised concerns that an attack was happening when it was not happening, right? Um, so there, there have been the various failures in the early warning system, the you know failures of chips and, and the like, and mistaken, uh, mistaking uh, the rising of the moon for an attack, and, and, and so on. Um, and so, so there, there is some risk in that. Now, you could say that, well, we have, uh, we have successfully dealt with those, um, and, and it's true, we have. Um, uh, on the other hand, I worry about that, and, and you could you could easily imagine uh, glitches being induced by a cyber attack. Now, you could, there's an interesting question there. You have to ask the question: 
Is it in the Russian interest to spoof the United States into thinking that an attack is coming from Russia when it isn't? Now that's, I mean, no, the Russians don't have any incentive to, they don't have any incentive to do that. On the other hand, one could imagine that a cyber operation inside, a Russian cyber operation inside US nuclear command and control systems and, and warning systems and so on might accidentally trigger a warning uh, of attack when it wasn't coming. That, that, that would be, you know, that would be something that the Russians would not want to happen. It would happen because of a glitch of, of, a, of a problem in something that they had uh, done that they didn't quite understand with the American system. And, in, and it, by mistake, triggered a, a warning uh, of an attack when it wasn't coming. I mean, so the Russians would say, no, no, we didn't want to do that. But, but you know, if you ask them, but that would be a danger. That would be a dangerous thing. So the answer is yes. I think there, there is some risk in that. Big risk, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's hard to know. Um, the problem is, is that there, the, the absolute probabilities may be low, and I'm even willing to stipulate that they are, but the catastrophic consequences of it are very, the consequences of it are catastrophic, they're very, very high. So when you multiply a small number by a large number, uh, you know, what do you get? And, and you know, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I, I, I'm really, I, I think that as you, as you introduce more and more cyber stuff into this, you, you're actually raising the the, the likelihood of a, of, of a cyber problem uh, happening. Uh, and I don't want, to, that to me is, is, is bad. I, I, I freely confess that I, I, I think that the, you know, that, that the you know, nuclear war is a particularly bad thing to happen. And, and, and I'm, I'm willing to, to, you know, to, to do things, a lot of things to, um, uh, reduce that risk, even from inadvertent, uh, even from inadvertent uh, causes. Next. All right. Thank you. Um, Lena Cashin has asked, uh, space threats are similar to cyber threats in that they're often concealed. Have you considered the impacts of deterrence when the capabilities are not well known or well advertised in the space domain? So I, I think Say, say say that say 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 that again. I, I didn't. I I I'm not. Yeah. Okay. So space yeah. threats are similar to cyber threats in that they're often concealed. Right. Have you considered the impacts of deterrence when the capabilities are not well known nor well advertised in the space domain, specifically? I have I I have not yet. Um, that is that that that's something that I I I will. Uh, I, I will consider uh, in, uh, in, 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 the, in the future, um, but I have, I think the answer is no. I have, the fairest statement is no. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at that yet. No worries. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, our question from Todd Beasy, the director of SMA, is in the highly networked digital age that, is that has compressed UDA uh, or observe, orient, decide, act, um, and the velocity of decisions, there's a push towards centralized command and decentralized control to the um, organizational edges. This is shown to improve agility and kinetic operating environments, particularly at the tactical and operational level. Do you think that these advantages apply to the strategic and nuclear level, particularly in response or with regards to cyber activity? And what is the correct balance between centralized command and decentralized control? in this environment? Well, I, I, so there's an interesting question here. I, I, I'm one of the people who is, I, 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 I don't like the idea of dispersing 
um, nuclear command authority uh, down to lower levels. I, I, that, that to me is a terrifying thought. Um, I know that it has happened in the past um, and whatever arrangements are, are made uh, with any given administration, that, that's a, uh, that's pro it's problematic um, to me. I, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it, 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 it pre-delegation uh, of authority has, or dispersal of authority hasn't uh, led to catastrophe, but that doesn't mean that it won't in the future. I, I'm very skeptical about the idea of, of uh, decentralizing nuclear command. Uh, now, there's a question, the question also asked about um, uh, dispersing um, cyber uh, activity. And, and uh, there was a point in, in, in recent US cyber history where cyber offensive cyber operations, uh, very, very, very highly uh, centralized. Um, uh, under, there was under the Obama administration. Uh, Trump administration did some things to decentralize that a little bit more. That is, they didn't have to go up to the, to the White House to request permission uh, for certain things. The change, as I understood it to be, wasn't all, didn't change that very much, uh, but I still worry about it. I, I, I want uh, things that, that, that have um, uh, sort of strategic implications to be decided at the highest levels of, of, of government. That means the National Security Council and the President. Um, I also worry about that about space, for example. I, I, I don't like the idea that ASAP capabilities might be distributed, might be dispersed to the command commanders. That, that to me is a, is a recipe for escalation too. But I recognize that I'm in a minority in, in this and, and people are mostly concerned about uh, efficiencies of command. And yeah, it is more efficient uh, when you don't have to go up higher. That is true. Um, um, in general, that, that, that's, you know, for certain specific systems, space, uh, cyber, nuclear, and so on, I, I'm very worried about that. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, do you have any concluding remarks that you would like to, to lead, leave us with before we adjourn? No, just, uh, I, I wish I had had this uh, chat before I had written the book. I would have changed the, you know, I, I would have, these questions are all questions that I, I, I would have tried to put into the book. But, you know, then maybe this is, you know, material for the, for the next iteration of, of, of the book. Go buy the book and send me your comments. That, 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 that's the, uh, uh, that, 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 that's my closing comment. Thank you. All right, thank you, Dr. Lin. Um, and to anyone whose questions weren't addressed, feel free to shoot me an email and I will pass them along to, to Dr. Lin for him to address later on. So thanks everyone um, and thank have a great day. Thank you.